Shoftim, the second and third Aliyah. A little bit short, we'll do them together. <clears throat> the second Aliyah is the famous discussion about the king. If you, When you come to the land of Israel, there is a mitzvah to have a king. Um, the Torah gives us a number of directives about what we do to ensure that our king is focused. And focused, of course, on leading the people towards serving Hashem. And that includes making sure he doesn't have too much money, shouldn't get caught up, and that he shouldn't be too busy with his chariots and too many horses. And he shouldn't just be all about his physical pleasures. He should, he should be about positive relationships, and he should not... There's a limit on how many wives he could have, um, even. We learn it from David HaMelech, the exact numbers, and etc. And from Shlomo's mistake that he did get too many, too many horses, he went and he transgressed this. As Rashi points out, he went and transgressed this and went back to Mitzrayim to get more horses was not good. Um, the... The mitzvah over here, we're told over here that that the king also, the king also has a mitzvah to write two Sifri Torah right as he becomes the king, one that he'll have with him to help him follow along and focus on the ways of the Torah and want to have always in his storehouse that he could check high quality, always there that, that is in a safe place. The, the Torah says that a king who deviates, who moves away from the Torah, even in a small amount, even a small directive from a prophet of Hashem, it will lose his kingship. And that's what, as Rashi says, happened with King Saul. Shaul HaMelech was given a, a, a seemingly small directive to wait a full seven days until Samuel, Shmuel HaNavi, came. He did not wait the full time, and immediately Shmuel told him, you cannot be king. Um, that said, the Torah notes over here that if if, that if the, the king is a good king and his son is an appropriate uh, um, replacement, then the son is the one who should be the replacement. There is an inheritance of being the king. There's an appropriateness that the next king should be the child of the first king if he is if he is fitting to do that. The third aliyah brings us to a discussion about the needs of the Kohen because the Kohen, of course, does not inherit any of the uh, any of the uh, benefits. He doesn't. He doesn't receive any of the benefits of the conquest of the land of Israel. Neither in the properties, physical land properties, nor in the properties, the movable um, equity, if you will, movable, movable items. What we call the loot, and therefore he doesn't have. So we take care of him. And the Torah over here lists three different ways that we do that. One is by what's called the uh, and in all the carbonos, and whenever we shecht, whenever we slaughter animals, we give a portion. I think it is even not by an offering, just in general, when we slaughter, if we own the animal, we give portions to the Kohen in general. We, of course, give him truma, which as Rashi goes through over here, the Torah doesn't specify an amount, and therefore... The Torah points out you can be stingy and give him one sixtieth. You could be generous. You can give him one fortieth, or you could be normal and give him one fiftieth. And lastly, the third one over here is what's called racious gaze. You give him some of the shearings whenever you have five five sheep that you're shearing together. You give him one sixtieth as a gift that he should have wool. This way he has food, he has grain, he has meat, he has wool, and he should hopefully be taken care of by us, by the Jewish people, for what he does for us.